Welcome to the Reach the Stars podcast, a collection of conversations with cool people who do cool things. Brought to you by Papercraft Miracles. Each week, we'll bring you inspiring stories of persistence, passion, and purpose. With your host, Jonna willoughby Moore. Hello, welcome to the Reach the Stars podcast. I am your host, Jonna willoughby Lore. And today I have two of the coolest guests in the known universe. I have <laughs> Idris and Alexa watch it. And I'm really hoping that my Alexa doesn't turn on in the background every time I say your name. <laughs> I was thinking about changing her name um, before I started this so that she wouldn't be like, I don't understand that. <laughs> yeah. No, right? Co-host. Yes. Co-hosted by the robot in my background. <laughs> So anyway, the two of you are super amazing. Uh, There's just so much love and creativity in your lives and you share it with other people and with your kids all the time. And I just love (laughs) y'all. I'm just super, super happy um, to, to share your stories with people and to pick your brains today. So thank you for being here. Um, so for those of you who don't know, uh, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about their background and then um, let them kind of roll with the story. So um, they have formed a little conglomeration of all of their talents together um, that's called Eat Off Art, which is all about kind of breaking the starving artist stereotype um, and to really focus all of their creative energies to making a living and thriving off of their art. And I just love that. That is my whole jam. So huzzah for all that. Um, But they do everything. They've got music. They've got painting. They've got jewelry making. They do. He's a chef. (laughs) They've got businesses. Like, I just love it. I just love it. It's it's so fantastic. Um, So I'm going to let you guys tell a little bit more about your your story of how you met each other and how your family got together. I just it just so makes me happy. All of all of that just makes me happy. So you could say whatever you want about okay. <laughs> about about your story. Yeah. Well, um, I'm Idris. And I'm Alexa. And let's see. Our that's wow. Yeah, there are a lot of beginnings. So it's it's kind of like, okay, which one are we going to pick? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, in short, in brief. Yes. In brief, we first, we both went to City Honors High School, which is where we met. We met uh, as Alexa was entering freshman year. She mm-hmm. was there for eighth grade kind of uh, open house. Yeah, it's like an open house event. And he opened the door for me. Yeah, that's how we met. We like bumped into each other almost you know? <laughs> like literally and, oh my god it's so sweet literally yeah i was like knocking on all the doors of the school and i walked all around the big school and then finally i got to a door and knocked and he's the one that answered yeah i, I wasn't where i was supposed to be so <laughs> you were exactly where you were supposed to be yeah yeah and then you know from there we just that was just our first encounter you know just kind of Hey, how are you doing? What are you doing here? I'm here for this, this, and that. Oh, it's in that room, blah, blah, blah. The following year, she, after passing the entrance and all that stuff and getting accepted or whatever and enrolled, she was, you know, she entered into ninth grade and then she, again, we bumped into each other again. It was like, oh, 
like, oh, okay, you know, she's a student here type of deal now. And then, so I was really pretty much the first person that she was familiar with face-wise, you know, I mean, she ended up making her own friends and stuff, obviously. But that's how we met. Yes. You know. And we were friends all throughout high school. Yeah. What's your, age, just what's your age difference between the two of you? What grade were you in when, when you were uh, there? Three months. Three months, same age, same grade. Uh, yeah, same. Said, oh my God, it's like kismet, all about it. <laughs> yeah. So we didn't... Um, we didn't well, date until yeah, after college. A lot of people, yeah, like now that know that, you know, we went to City Honors together and they're like, oh, it was such a fairy tale. You know, you guys are high school sweethearts. We're like, no, we didn't date in high school. <laughs> like, we didn't date in college. Like, we just were always... Friends. Yeah, just really good friends. And, you know, I mean, I, I knew that I wanted to be with her, you know, just time things didn't line up as, you know, as a... Things lined up as they were supposed to. That's right. And then there came a moment where I guess you can call it the opportunity was there. We just, you know, um, I don't, I don't want to say settled our differences. I don't even know if that's that the term, but we just it really, we just put all our cards on the table, you know, very vulnerably and just decided to, you know, shake hands and give it a shot moving forward with each other pretty much. And that was in 97. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's when we started dating, married in 2000. And so, two kids in 2001, 2004. Yep. We opened a store in 2005 on Elmwood Avenue called Gallery 51. And that was kind of our first, first brick and mortar entrepreneurial, um, um, you know, adventure journey with a one year old and a three year old. And that was interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you go before that, though, we were doing business before that as well. Like just doing, we started in 97. Yeah. Like vending. So Adrice has always been an artist since three years old, two, three years old. And um, when he was in college and in high school, he mostly did all illustration, black and white line artwork. So he, you know, had this huge portfolio of works. And they were just kind of sitting there. Um, he was doing logo design. He was doing um, flyers and things like that before the whole computer thing was a thing. And so I was like, well, we need to put these somewhere. You need to be selling these. Your artwork is amazing. So we started making greeting cards, stationery, journals, magnets. And we were selling them at, um, you know, Juneteenth. We were selling them at a lot of different craft fairs and craft shows. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how the entrepreneurial spirit started. Between us, both combined. Yeah. yeah. Like the yeah. real hustle. Like craft show life is hard. It's yeah. hard. Yeah. And that was at a time when, you remember Kinko's, right? Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. So we'd be in Kinko's until two o'clock in the morning, printing and cutting cards. Printing, scoring, cutting. You know, taking the, you know, doing Xerox copies and having to do it over because it was off a little bit or that particular machine had a stripe coming across every print. Like, you know, it was just like, you know, stuff like that, you know. And then it eventually, like I said, just, we just basically kept batting. You know, we just kept, every time that bat, we just kept hitting and batting and batting and hitting and swinging. And, and we're still here doing exactly that. Just still, you know. Yeah. Swinging, <laughs> and just gave it a better name now. You know, eat off fire. Well, it's why well, there's been a couple of different names, but yeah, yeah, true. 
but as it stands today, out of all of the versions of us really all the time, pretty much under the, under the, what's the word, under the cloak of like eat off art, like under the notion of eat off art, we just didn't call it that right. until now, which just kind of made sense to us. Like, Oh, this is what we're doing, you know? And it's the first time we've actually collaborated on everything. So we've, like you said, we've, we're bringing everything under one house, under one umbrella. And it's really the first time that we've actually done it. I just love it. I mean, my, my husband and I are also both super creative in all sorts of different ways. I mean, we, we both make visual art. We, we both play music and yes. um, we just have all of those different creative endeavors that are all kind of swirling around. And I've always like had this dream since I was in college for sure that someday I was like, I'm going to be able to have one, you know, overhead structure where I can do all of these things. And my main goal in all of it is like sharing and connecting with people and, and inspiring change all over the place. Like that's, that's my jam. So, um, I totally love that. You're like, I'm, you know, I'm going to not focus on this one thing or this other thing, but we're going to focus all our energy on all of these things. And there's so many creative people out there who kind of get pigeonholed into saying like, oh, well, your music is better than your visual art, so you should just do that because that's what's more marketable. And then they end up, the thing that really makes them feel good just kind of gets shoved off the side. And um, I'm just proud of you for not for not letting that happen and saying like, you know, I really like painting and I really like doing this and I really love, you know, making jewelry. And that's like so much in your heritage is making jewelry because you're like second generation jewelry, right? Or third? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, second, yeah, second. Yeah. So I, the third is coming after. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just aw. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, well, it hasn't always been like that. I will I will say that. I mean, we've both been in periods when we're saying or we've been told, well, why don't you just focus on this one thing? And I've always said to Adris and you know, early on in our um careers entrepreneurs, I don't know if he kind of like me saying it per se, but I would always say, why do you have to just settle on one thing? Why do you just have to do one thing? He was like, well, in order to be good at one thing, you really have to focus all your efforts into it for like 10 years to be a success. I'm like, but why do you have to do just one thing? So I know that, you know, for a period of time, that's how we were. And then finally, I don't know how many years ago, he was just kind of let go of all that, you know, so it's, if there were bumps, you know, there's always bumps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'm trying to remember. I, well, for a while, you know, for a while I was doing music. I mean, everybody else listening doesn't know before I had, there was a period of time where I was diligently focused on music career as a hip hop artist and producer and performer. And, you know, I don't, it, it, it hit, a point where it went, it reached a, there came a point where I had to make a decision. Was I going to continue to stretch and strive for that practice of music to provide for my family and some, without knowing what that timeline looked like or when I'd be able to, you know, mm-hmm. be able to make a nice dime to bring home or go get a job. <laughs> and you know, I guess the more sensible, I guess, more adult, responsible, 
Yeah, I guess the more responsible, less artist decision was to go for, you know, for, just forget the music and just go, you know, into the work, workspace again. And so that's what I did. And during that period for five years, I didn't make any music. Like it was very, it was unlike me and it was a very dark period for me. He didn't do anything creatively, yeah. creatively during that period, which um, really affected not only him, but also the household because mm-hmm. he expresses every part of his being through his work. And when you don't have that outlet and you don't have the, the capability to just get things out, they literally bottle up or they get pushed down further and further and further. And when your character and personality is built around expression and sharing and being all of you, you suffer. Yeah, I did. I did. And then fortunately enough, I have a friend of mine who just kind of recognized and noticed, I mean, outside of Alexa, obviously. So it's a person outside of our, our relationship of a good friend, just like, man, you need to start drawing, blah, blah, blah. And just kind of getting on me and just being, a, you know, like an accountability partner. So I just started drawing more and more and I started feeling better. And I started getting more courageous and I started to get more confident in accepting who I am as a person and as a being that's placed on the earth, so to speak. And then that just led to me leaving um, where I was working at the time. Then I landed another job in between then quitting that job. Ready to take the leap, but not. (laughs) Well, well, again, it was was a need. There was a need. need. Yeah. And there was a need. I was doing artwork, but the artwork, you know, Selling the piece of work wasn't, you know, as steady. So took another opportunity at a job. And then I was there for maybe two and a half years. And then, while, no, two years about, right? Oh, two dude. years. So while there, that that's when I was in that office, I used to where I was working in the school, just decided, like, I was like, that's absolutely it. I am, I'm absolutely, because I was going in that same place again. Like, I was going into that same hole again where I wasn't able to express myself and be authentic, you know, um, and just, so that's what it's all about. We just, she allows me to gamble, you know, on myself and together we gamble on each other, you know, so that's the course that we're on right now. I just love it. So for those of you who don't know, I met Idris a long time ago. Um, it must've been like 2005, maybe. 2004, yeah, yeah, like a yeah. long, a long time ago. Um, yeah. And boy, am I glad that you made all that music when you did, because I listen to your music all the time. <laughs> it's, wondering. it's a, it's, it's a steady on my playlist. Um, and I, I remember working on your street team at Deep Thinker for yeah. for a summer, and and just like putting up flyers and and sharing stuff on social media when it was like a brand new thing and like, yeah. you know, like getting people to go to shows at the hard rock cafe and stuff like that. And, and yep. like getting yep. people together wow. and doing videos. And it, I like just the people that I met during that time of my life too. Um, it was really formative and, and I just loved how, positive and outspoken you were with your with your words and your music even then about how important it is to shine light on the dark things that are happening in the world um 
but in a way that brings people together about them and that yeah. educates people and it doesn't doesn't shame people um and Thank I you. think that was really helpful for me in my own journey um so I just want to thank you for all your great music. Um, thank you. <laughs> Good Morning Amy is definitely one of the first songs I listen to on most days. Um, okay. It's like the bomb for waking up. Um, it really is. <laughs> so, um, but aside from that, um, we were both um, performing at this little teeny tiny school in Ribley, New York. Um, where they brought a bunch of poets out there and they bought us dinner at this weird little diner. (laughs) And they're like, and then, you know, go in and, and do poetry for these kids who live in like way out in the sticks, rural, super poor community. But it was just such a great experience, like riding out to this place and getting to know you while we were driving out there and hanging out for dinner and then like hearing your amazing poems and stories and just seeing all these kids who are like, I've never seen anything like this before. Like I always thought poetry was boring. I always thought it was something that wasn't accessible for me. And just watching all those kids like light up when you're just like, I'm just telling the story and it's in the form of a poem, but it's a story and you can do that too. It was just I, remember, I remember you tore you tore it down that day, man. That was <laughs> I remember you too. You controlled that crowd so cool. You just took your time. It was so so. You just took your time. She was so young too. Like you were, <laughs> were you like man? Were you a teenager? No, no I was like 18? when was that? Two thousand five, two thousand six, maybe something in there. Like, yeah. You were very you were seven. I was like twenty five. I just really? look. I know, I know. Just looks like you. Yeah, that's like, when I first met you. Yeah, so that's that's bad. So that's probably why I thought you were like a teenager. So <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, she's dope. I was like, how is how is she ever with us? She was dope. She, like, I definitely you, I had experiences teaching at that school because they actually asked me to come and be a teaching artist there for two years after that. Um, at that same school out in the middle of nowhere, and it, it was really amazing to have that opportunity to be able to give all of those kids a way to think about teaching and learning in a way that wasn't the teacher telling them what to do and adults telling them what to do and that everything that they were doing was graded and that it was based on you're either good or you're suck. You know what I mean? And I'd never had any experience being a teacher before I started working there. And I remember my very first assignment that I had the kids do. Cause I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I had no idea. Um, and I got up in front of the class and I was like, I want you all to just write something about what's important to you. Group of seventh graders. And I got this whole class full of uh, like what? And I was like, 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 we get a, like, what do you mean? You care what we think? Yeah. And I was like, they all just had no idea what to make of that. And I was like, wait, let's back up a second. Raise your hand if no one has ever asked you what's important to you. Wow. And the hand in the room went up. And I was like, well, that's a damn shame because yeah. you know, all yeah. of you are like 12, 13 years old. And like who you're going to become for the rest of your lives is happening in your minds right now. And, you know, if if no one has ever given you autonomy or even bothered to care what you care about, no wonder you don't give a crap when you come to school. Yeah. And they were just like, oh, wow. Like, you really want to know what's important to me? And it's fine if I want to write a poem about how I really love video games because it's an escape from my family. And it's a place 
you'll accept it. I'm like, yeah, totally. Power to you. Tell me all about that. Like I'm, I'm down for that. And it just, it helped me to, to get a sense of a world that was outside my own. Cause my mother, mm-hmm. like, the most creative individual who had no idea how to make money, but just so creative and always fostered, like you do you, whatever you feel makes you feel good about your life. And it doesn't matter if you make money with it, like do it because Mm. you can and not because anyone is going to make you. And yeah, that's special. Yeah. If you're just, if you're true about that and you're authentic about that, like, people will take care of you in the world mm. because of that. And it's, you know, you don't need so many extra things. It's not about the things that are around you. It's about, you know, having something that drives you and having people who care about you and, and everything else is just extra. So for me to see like this whole generation of kids who obviously never had that never had any adult in their life to ask them what do they care about and I was like oh lord we've got a lot of work to do for them yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. and, uh, and then you multiply that by populations just like that all over all you know? over like all over like yeah the same I had the same experience when I was when I was teaching too same deal like anytime I asked them about them they were just like yeah like, what do you mean? You know, like, this isn't a, you mean you're not grading me on the something that I have to get, get correct? Like, no. <laughs> you know, like, th- there's no right or wrong answers? No. no. This, is, this is you. Like, <laughs> you know? So that's empowering. Congrats to you for doing that. It was a wild yeah. experience for me. And, and just making sure that um, I made all the classes read out loud, too. And at first, you know, the first thing they wrote, I was like, okay, now who's going to read out loud? Who wants to? And of course, you know, they're all in seventh grade. They're like, I'm not cool. Or, you know, I can't do that. I'll be embarrassed in front of my friends or whatever. And I was like, okay, who's able to read out loud? Uh, To do that. A couple of kids put their hand up and I was just like, all of you should be able to, to read something that you wrote in front of a group of people and to know that there's power in that. And and I had rules. I was like, okay, when somebody's reading out loud, you are quiet, you are focused, you are paying attention. Even if you think you're just talking to your friend who's sitting next to you and you're not talking about the person who's performing, they're going to think that you are. So don't be that person and yeah. give them respect. And when they're done, you clap because clapping makes people feel good. And yeah. After that first class where I made them all do it and then you know the first kid comes up and they've got their paper in front of their face and it's shaking and they're mumbling and I was like okay pause let's back it up read me that poem the way you talk to your friends in the lunchroom Mm. and they're like oh okay and I'm like do it be proud of it you know like that's that's you on that paper and that's right I love you and you should love you too and like just little stuff like that that kind of lit a fire under me about inspiring change in any way that I can in like every little pocket. And I just, I see that, I mean, in these days, day and age, you know, in quarantine, it's gotta be so crazy for, for young kids who had that social structure at school and now they're like stuck at home. And I know that there's just, there's so many people, you guys have been doing your Instagram live videos. And I know that there's a lot of people who, like that's the highlight of their day. Like they can't wait till you put your video up and they're like, 
oh good I get to connect with some people who get it like you know they feel that community and so that's definitely part of why I wanted to start doing this podcast in the first place was to have a place where we could connect all of these amazing people and these amazing stories about inspiring each other and learning from each other and sharing resources um, and, and to have a community built around that. So um, for all of you who don't know, here's a little advertisement. We have a Patreon that is uh, going on for this podcast. Um, Cause right now um, it's technically brought to you by my business, but my business is still a small um, and so I'm kind of like footing the bill for any equipment and promotion and anything for this. So if you like what we're doing here, if you want to be involved with that, check out the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash reach the stars. Can't believe that name wasn't taken, but it wasn't taken. I know. Right. I know. So um, check it out on Patreon. Um, and we have a, a private Facebook community for the people who have been guests on the show and for the patrons of the show so that they can communicate with me and with each other and to share their own stories. Um, and so I'm excited for that community to start. So, um, I would love to hear more about, um, the different aspects of the art that you guys create and which ways you, you share it and, and what, what works well and what you've tried that doesn't work as well and, and things you've learned from that. Hmm. How do you want to start? (laughs) Well, I mean, that's interesting. Well, we kind of just, um, I think in January, essentially, we kind of just made the decision, just do it and share it and don't think twice about it. And that translated literally to everything, whether it was doing the art, whether it was just us talking and sharing um, our information or the jewelry. So that, I mean, that's been our strategy. Do it, share it, put it out. Don't second guess it. Don't judge it. Just let it go. And it's been really successful. I mean, we've, we've, I don't want to say struggled, but we had the challenge of overcoming our concerns with transparency and being able to say, well, this is us just laying everything out on the line, even through our talents and our creativity, because it's still a very personal thing. And Mm -hmm. to share it is still putting yourself out there. So that's really been our strategy. And that's how we've been able to say, you know what? Yeah, that is cool. Let's just share it. You know, we've been putting designs on T-shirts. Um, we've been putting them on the website. We've been sharing his artwork through prints. We've been sharing more of my jewelry. I mean, I, I still get a little skittish when it comes to jewelry and cooking only because, you know, usually it's a is in the limelight and I'm, you know, pushing a dress. So I have to get more comfortable with that transparency and putting myself forth as well. I think that's mostly been our strategy. So we've been doing the lives, um, live happy hours every Friday. Yeah, those came about the the happy hour weekly Friday, you know, going live on Facebook and Instagram came about certain. I don't know if we would have, maybe we would have ended up doing it if there wasn't a quarantine, but I'm pretty sure the quarantine is certainly 99 point. Assisted, uh, assisted the push. Yeah, you know. Because the first two weeks, I guess, like with everybody else, the first two weeks of what was happening was just, Mind it, was, it was so disorienting, you know? For sure. And kind of stopping in the tracks and not wanting to do anything because you didn't know 
what would happen or how it would happen or what was next? Yeah, it was just very disorienting, you know, being that we already made the choice to do the eat off art thing, you know, which is, you know, it's a business, but as well as a, it's kind of like a mantra as well. And it's like, what does this mean for us? <laughs> like as artists, like we don't, we didn't have a company that was paying us to stay home and do work virtually, you know? Yes, so, you know, <laughs> so it was like, it was very frightening. And then, you know, I had an art show actually when, mm. when it hit, we were, we just installed an art exhibit, yeah. like a solo art show at the Hotel Henry. Which is still up and nobody has seen it. Like, like we, we installed it, put it up and we were paying attention to the news and it's like it's in Wuhan, blah, blah, blah. And next thing you know, not even four or five days later, it hit here and it was a wreck. Like the work is still up there right now. So the, the, the happy hour was a response to that as well. It's like, yo, how do we, we can't gather. So how do we continue to show people that we're creating art, you know, that we're creating work. Mm-hmm. And so Alex was like, let's just go live. Let's go live. And so I'm just now, like when she's talking about with the transparency, like I'm just, I'm just getting to the point where I'm comfortable with it. Every Wednesday and Thursday, like she's bickering and I'm bickering because he's like, dude, I need a flyer. We're doing this Friday. I'm like, I don't know if I want to show up Friday. You know, and she's like, you you're gotta, doing you it. You got to do it, dude. <laughs> you got to do it. So it's been. A- and that was more of a personal thing for him. Because as I said, when he doesn't create and he doesn't express himself, he becomes a completely different person. So, you know, I know when to push and when not to push. Mm-hmm. But I've showed up every Friday so far. So that's it. And then, you know, on top of that, we've just been, been very, a lot of FaceTime, a lot more FaceTime than we are comfortable with. And that's cool because we wanted to push ourselves to do something. So, you know, we also do our videos she and I just kind of sitting down right here on this sofa. The blue couch. The blue couch, turquoise, teal, whatever. <laughs> and we just have our, we just share what's on our minds. What's been, what's been itching at us, what's inspiring us, what's making us laugh, what's making us unhappy. Very unscripted and just sharing it. And again, the philosophy is to make it, share it. Like we don't edit anything. We just record it. Whatever comes out of our blabs. We just posted, you know, labs and bloopers. Yeah. So only twice have we had it. Only twice have we actually recorded and not put it up. Only maybe two or three times we have videos that we just hadn't put up um, for whatever reason. Sometimes at 12 o'clock midnight came around, like before we even knew it, it was like, oh, damn, we didn't post it, you know. And then maybe one was like really super duper emotional and just like, yeah. And we were like, ah, too much share. Like, ah, we're not going to, yeah, we're not going to share. <laughs> But otherwise, 97% of what we sit down and talk about on the couch, we put out. Um, as far as the as far as the different things that we do, again, I'm a second generation jeweler. My dad is a jeweler for over 50 something years. He's a master crafter. Um, I didn't learn to trade until I was maybe 30. Yeah, maybe 30. Maybe 30. Yeah, maybe 30. So as a kid, I mean, my, my parents, I grew apart. You know, my parents were separated rather. And so I wasn't, I didn't see him making jewelry regularly or else it probably would have been something I caught on with sooner. Mm-hmm. So the jewelry, I'm pretty still, I'm pretty much fresh in it. Really good at it. Still a lot really to learn good. though. You know, still a lot to learn. So I don't spend a lot of time there um, because I know that spending the time there in order to become like a master is going to pull away from 
you know, what this, what the bread and butter is right now, so to speak, which is the art, you know, me painting. And, um, and then like I said with Alexa, you know, she's, she's loving painting on leather now, you know, she's a super, uh, she, she, she used to doodle a lot. Like it used to be a lot of doodling and like these little interesting patterns, like kind of like, what do you call those things? Zen, Zen tangle looking kind of things, mm-hmm. kind of like your backdrop. Well, you know? Yeah, I'm just staring <laughs> at it. <laughs> and so, you know, then one day I just, you know, I brought home some leather to her and was like, you don't just pay, because I was, I'm thinking of product, you know, I'm thinking of like earrings. Like this is the first, I don't know, it's just the first thing that we would just think about, you know, she was already still doing earrings and bracelets and things. But then the leather piece came in. I'm like, you could put your designs on this leather. And she started figuring out this way and tinkering about. And next thing you know, she had her flethers. And she's been rolling with it ever since. Yeah. It's been fun. (laughs) I love that. And as a second-generation paper crafter, I totally appreciate, like, following in in the parental footsteps. I mean, my mom loved to do collage work and rubber stamp um, rubber stamp work and stuff like that. I mean, I could never even like remotely touch her rubber stamp skills. She used to do like rubber stamp scenes on all of her checks when she would write checks to people. And every single one was like a work of art, like amazing things. She would spend like hours and hours whenever she got a new book of checks, she would like stamp all of them and the whole thing. And I'm pretty sure she did it because she didn't want people to cash them. Cause it's like back in the day when you cash the check and it goes to the bank and you never get it back. Right. I think that right. was her, her whole plan. She was like, if it looks really cool, maybe they'll just hold on to it for a while. Oh. <laughs> um, it's just, it's really special for me to have a lot of her old rubber stamps and her tools and stuff. So to, to wow. be able to use those and, and, you know, occasionally, you know, stick them in some product that I'm making for somebody that's real special. I actually did oh, a little, yeah. uh, I did a quarantine pop-up book made only with a bunch of her stamps. I'll have to show it to you. Oh, wow. um, yeah. So I, I, I also love the way that, um, that you speak for each other. Like she talks about you and you talk about her instead of, you know, each of you talking about yourselves. Um, and I, I love how you work together and that your family is so integral in everything that you do. And, um, my husband is a total introvert. And so if I was to be like, Hey, let's go live on Instagram every day, he'd be like, hell no, (laughs) (laughs) that is never happening. Like he's, you know, introvert and Luddite and is like, I don't want nothing to do with the interwebs and whatever. And as me, super extrovert. So the quarantine has been really difficult for us. Um, I just love being out in the community and meeting new people and hearing people's stories and talking to people. And he's like, I am done talking to you. (laughs) It's just stop. Alone time. Get away from me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I was wondering if you have any, any tips or advice for, um, being still being focused on the importance of communication in your family and focusing on your kids and focusing on that while you're also focusing on your creative passions and your own, um, your own businesses and, and all that together, like the, the balance. <laughs> well, early on we did. Yeah. I think, I think what, what makes it look seamless for us 
you know, what people see, what makes it look seamless is that we, the lifestyle that we have now isn't like an afterthought, you know, like we were making decisions early on, excuse me, we're making decisions early on about like, okay, if I'm stopped working, what does that look like? What do we need to cut back on? You know, what, what, what's the minimum that we need in order to, you know, kind of have a decent quality of life type of deal. So, early on, you know, even when we had our brick and mortar, we just kind of built it into our lifestyle, you know, to always, you know, I would say the word drag, but we, mm-hmm. you know, the boys were there all the time at every step. Opening. Every opening. Events, every late night. You know, everything. You know, not my hip hop stuff. They weren't there for that, but oh, I yeah. made just like, oh yeah, some of the because public it, event, all of so, it was, yeah, it was, it was family our, It was our family audience. Right. So they were always there. So it wasn't like an afterthought of like, you know what, let's, let, let's let, let's let's decide to be artists. Like we decided early on, like that's who we are. Let's build the lifestyle around it. Right. So there was there was less adapting to do, you know. So we always in that manner we always keep family first, and it's rubbed off on the children in the sense of like they don't have the apprehension to feel like commanding, using commanding words like I am an artist. They don't feel apprehension about that, you know. Um, they're not shy about that, you know, so it's there, there's, there's less wheel spinning, you know, there's less wheel spinning. It's like, this is who we are as a family. Yes. Hey, five minutes from now, take off your shirt, boys, be downstairs. We're going to do a video about, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, and they're just like, Oh, okay. You know, like, <laughs> I, love <laughs> I love that video by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank Ooh. you. So thank you for sharing it. Yeah. Thank you. So it's like things like that, you know, we just, everybody understands that in our household, everybody understands that this is who we are. Right. Um, and, and this, and it's okay. You know? Yeah. And as far as communication, I mean, as a couple, as a married couple, you know, the communication is something that is learned and it's something that we both have to recognize our individual, um, what's the word, um, shortcomings, I guess you can say, yeah. and that, you know, whether, you know, you have a moment you're not listening or you're just having a moment where you're being very defensive. We have to own up to those things and say, all right, let's take a time out. Let, you know, I don't like you right now. I really love you, but I really don't like you. So I need to move away or we just really need to hash this out and get it done. Um, so the communication piece, that's always been one of the tenets of our marriage, communication, honesty, kindness, respect, um, faithfulness, um, and faith. And just knowing that no matter what, we had to talk through it. You know, we had to get through it because the only option is to be together. And the only option is to be successful. So anything outside of that, we don't even discuss. Yeah. So communication is just... It's paramount. It's paramount. And, and nothing outside, out of, outside of our union, no influence, no impact, you know, this is just us, the four of us, yep. you know, that's, our, that's, that's it. <clears throat> yeah. That's it. The, what, what the decisions we make inside of these, inside of our home is what matters most to us. Right. People will give opinion. People will give thoughts. However, those thoughts don't resonate with what we've already agreed upon. Mm-mm. You know, it's just sound like whatever, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so we're not easily swayed. Yes. Once we've decided together. Correct. (laughs) 
I think that's awesome. We're, we're working our way towards that. I mean, it's kind of our, our was planning to be a five-year plan, but <laughs> it's good to turning out to be a little bit more than five years where um, he, he's been making a lot of sacrifices for me to be able to follow my dream and grow this as a business. Um, and, you know, same thing. It, like, it just made more sense when our first kid was born for me to quit my full-time jobby job that, you know, was paid vacation and a comfy chair and, you know, yeah. health insurance and all of that um, to stay home with the kids. And as he said, do your book thing. Um, and I've been wanting to have this be this huge powerhouse company for a long time. I mean, it was my college major was to make paper and books that make people happy and to share through creativity with the world. And it had been on the back burner of my whole entire adult life until I got to quit my job that, and it was, it was a hard decision for me to say, be entirely reliant on somebody else. Um, and to not really get my own paycheck for quite a long time, you know, cause I didn't want right. to take loans to fund the company, um, and to get it to a point where I can have employees and to start scaling it bigger and, and to figure out what really works for that and to, to grow it in a way where I could do that while still being home with the kids. Um, it's definitely been difficult because our kids are still pretty little and I can't just be like, Oh, just sit over there. And like, you, you play with these markers, like they're going to destroy my office. Like, (laughs) so it has been difficult, but I am still positive and hopeful that within the next couple of years, he'll be able to quit his full-time job to be able to do his creative endeavors. And that we can kind of, I don't know, I can like pay it back to him. Um, but I'm just curious if, um, when you first made the decision, um, not sure which one of you decided to not have the full-time gig first, (laughs) but if if there was discussion of like, are you going to resent me for not having a paycheck for a while? Like, how does that, how do you kind of know that? We've been ping-ponging for... Since 20 two, years. <laughs> yeah, since the 2000, like 2005, actually. Yeah, we've been ping-ponging for 15 years. Steadily for 15 years. So when we first got married, we were both working. Oh, oh. we were both working. Um, and then we, oh my gosh, I went through um, a program at University of Buffalo, Center for Entrepreneurial Leadership, um, sponsored by Allstate. And that's actually when we opened up our brick and mortar. So I was still working. So from 2000 to, I don't know when I have been working and you know, the easiest thing was, okay, we're opening up the store. I guess the is going to be in the store. Now you spoke about being an introvert. Idris is very much an introvert and it's not something I truly understood what that word was until maybe 10 years ago. So I'm expecting him to be in the store, welcoming guests, marketing, and making sure he's bringing customers in. And, you know, well, that really didn't happen that way. So I was working full time and still kind of doing all that marketing social stuff. And Idris was in the store doing his artwork. So up until I think 2000 and maybe 11, I was working because after the store, then Idris did his music career for a while. Then he stayed home with the kids. 
he had a job off and on, but I think I worked steadily up until about 2010, 2011. And then after that, um, there was this amazing event where the company I was working for decided to shut down and move all operations to Toronto. So I had to make a decision. Do I find another job or do I get training? So kind of that is when our, our true ping pong game started because I went back to school for culinary arts and Jerice had to pick up something in order to get health insurance. Mm-hmm. So then he was working and I was in school and I went overseas for about 10 weeks and then I came home and I started working in the kitchen and I graduated from school. So I was working and then he took a pause for maybe a year, two years. So this is where that ping ponging kind of started. And honestly, it didn't, it really didn't, our full leap where both of us were not working didn't happen until quarantine. Hmm. March 13th was when we both fully were like, okay, that's it. Let's just make sure we take this in house and do all of that. But the, the decision to make those sacrifices and who was going to work and who wasn't going to work. I think it was just natural. It was events and selection. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they were, they were choices, right? They were, yeah, there were choices. They were just discussions and, you know, again, these things, these, these conversations were isolated conversations in the sense of we only spoke to each other about it. Yeah. Like we didn't tell our moms and our sisters what we were thinking and our friends. Because we could easily get dissuaded that way. I yeah. mean, we, we, wanted, we wanted it to be on purpose <laughs> for whatever we decided to do. We wanted it to be on purpose. And so for that, our benefit. Yeah. So we've always been jockeying back and forth. And like she said, it's kind of flip flopping. Okay, you go. You run it. You go. Okay, but as far as you get, okay, cool. Give me the baton. You're not running. You know, oh, so. I want the baton. It's my turn. Yeah. <laughs> so we just kept you know, passing it back and forth until we were able to feel like, okay, you know, we're at the point in the road now where both of us need to push this boulder, you know, or pull this sled. Like, we just knew it. Like, okay, we need, if we, if we want true independence, both of us need to be on this full time. Mm-hmm. But there was also a time, and I know people talk about the word selfish is a bad thing, but I think we have kind of integrated selfishness into our vocabulary because if there was a time when somebody said, you know what, I really want to do this, I feel strongly about this, I got to do it. And the other person is like, okay, do it. So being selfish to the point to say, I really need to do this. This is what makes me feel good. This is what I feel strongly about. The other person's like, okay, do it. You know, so selfishness sometimes is seen as a bad word, but it really isn't. It's a matter of you speaking up for what's what's in your heart and, and where your heart wants to go or be led. And that allows you to show up as your best self. And you showing up as your best self helps everybody in the house. Yeah. You know, in the long run. Because I don't th- if if we hadn't if we haven't carried on like we have been, whether it's um, doing our artwork in the house or outside of the house, I don't think our boys would have been as apt to be where they are now creatively. I don't think they would have even, because to them it's like second nature. Oh yeah, I'm just going to go do this. I'm going to cut hair. I'm going to make sneakers. Mm-hmm. It's second nature. Like Adri said before, they don't second guess and say, oh, am I really an artist? No, they just do it. Yeah. You know, 
Girl, I'm hopeful that my boys do that. I mean, my, my oldest is all about music. He's like, his musical ear is just, it's wild. I mean, wow. <laughs> he awesome. just knows so many songs on the radio and he's always like asking Alexa to play like such interesting stuff. And, you know, I guess the day he started pre-K and he's just like, Alexa, play, you know, Bulls on Parade by Rage Against the Machine. I was like, all right, I'm winning. Like that's a parenting right there. Check. My world is all about like smash the patriarchy, fight the man. Like I guess that's all good. Um, and it is really interesting too about how kids are so different. Like I know that we talked the one day about how one of your one of your kids is a a Taurus and the other one's a Scorpio, right? Yeah. Too. So it's like they're just. Man, my littlest and I, I watched the the Marshall movie last night. Um and my youngest name is Thurgood. And I named we named that for two reasons. One, because um he was this little teeny tiny blonde haired, blue eyed, middle class ball of white privilege. <laughs> I was like <laughs> I think it's really important for him to go through life with a name that has so much history that's so important mm-hmm. for him to learn about and yeah. that you know anytime anybody googles that name they're not going to come up with him first yeah. and wow i sorry oh I my god understand. my my phone is like you, <laughs> you said google i'm awake now don't you even <laughs> um and the other reason that we we picked that name um, is because of what it actually means. It means thoroughly good. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, we really, really need more thoroughly good white men in this world. Like, we need that in order for everybody to, to be waking up and to have both my kids be so little in this time of our lives. I mean, you know, obviously the quarantine is like huge. It's huge as far as affecting them. Like I never thought my two and a half year old would know the word virus or would play like cops and robbers against a virus in my house, but they do that. And like that, that's, it's, it's like this abstract concept to them. Like, they're just like, there's a virus out there and that's why we can't go to school. And that's why we can't go to the playground and we can't go to the science museum because there's this virus out there. So once the virus is killed, then we can do stuff again. And live in that, that's their world now. And, um, that they get to spend so much time with us, but I'm, I'm hopeful that it is a good thing for them to spend so much time with us. Uh, I would say so. Yeah. But then also having them be so little in the middle of the hugest civil rights movement in humankind history. Yeah. I'd like, I have been really thinking a lot about the new normal. Hmm of all of our futures. I mean, between the pandemic and like the ginormous movement that's happening right now. um, And just all of the ways that their world as an adult is going to be so different from my world as an adult. And as a teenager, you know, like their, their world is just going to, 
be so different. And I'm just so hopeful that they will be a part of, of making it uh, just as like a fair and equitable place and that they will know nothing else besides using their privilege to speak up for others in spaces where they can't and shutting their mouths when other people need to speak and, and giving people their platforms when they have them. And I just, it feels really heavy on me to make sure that they grow up that way. And I, it's, I remember when the, the first bill was signed to make gay marriage legal in the U S everywhere. And my oldest was like hmm, five, four, five months old. And I remember just thinking like, he's only going to know a world where that is it. He doesn't like, that's just, that's the given for him. And it's so ingrained in everything. And just knowing that there is possibility for so many kids to grow up in a world where they don't know anything other than fairness and equity. And hmm. I'm, I'm just hopeful that we can get there. And me too. Got to keep raising voices, no matter how quiet it may seem or how okay everybody is. No, the voices still need to be raised. The issues still need to be tackled the communication and the hard conversation still need to go forth. You know, they should, they should never stop, you know, being uncomfortable is okay. You know, that's where growth comes from being uncomfortable. So we have a lot of growing to do as a nation, as a world. Yes. It's it, it, I would, you know, when, when the first protests were busting out and people were, really kind of lamenting on, you know, why are people protesting? Nothing ever changes. Why would I even do that? You know, on, on both sides or people who say, you know, why should I vote? My vote doesn't matter. Um, and that there were a lot of people who feel that nothing ever changes. And I, I've been, I've been listening to change is going to come by Sam Cooke a lot Mm. throughout the quarantine in general, because I just keep thinking about how many people out there have lost their jobs, have sacrificed their businesses, have sacrificed their own health to take care of other people, all for the sake of people who are older and sicker and who have less than everyone else. Right. And I just haven't ever seen anything that looks more like love than that. Hmm. And even just the small changes that are going to come from that. I mean, it's, it's obviously highlighting vast, vast inadequacies in our healthcare system. Obviously that is no longer something that can be ignored and that people are getting billion dollar bills from the hospital and you know, hopefully they're in, if they have something that will cover some of that, but in general that like caring for a person should not need to cost a million dollars because it doesn't cost that much elsewhere. And that we need to figure out, you know, the root of that and to fix that because it's just wrong to profit from people's pain. Like, and that it's glaringly obvious to a lot of people in a way that they're like, well, I thought my health insurance was fine, but they're realizing that it may be good for you, but for most people, that's not right. 
And I think that kind of opened the door for a lot of people to say, wow, I never thought about it that like, just because it's, you know, the life is good for me that I still should risk things for the sake of others. Mm. That it opened the door for a lot of people to, to stop being entirely focused on their own self. And, you know, there's so many people with disabilities who are told for years and years and years that they would not be able to work or do a job from home and they have to be on disability. And Mm -hmm. how many ginormous, huge corporations converted their entire workforce to work from home in a matter of days? Days. How many people are going to be able to get jobs now? Because there's no longer that barrier in the way of saying, oh, we we don't want to make an exception for you. Because they had to make the exception for everyone, they're like, "Well, now they can't backpedal on that shit." You know, like I think that there's so many things like that that are just doors are opening, and because so many people were laid off or were working from home or who had flexibility in their schedules because of the pandemic, there are so many more people who can be out in the streets who aren't risking their jobs, who aren't risking their careers to go protest, who are like, I can go to that because I don't have to be at work right now because I'm getting paid unemployment to go out in the streets. And I don't, I don't think that this kind of perfect storm of fucked up that's happened in this year, like that's where we're at. Like, you know, 2017 was super awful. And then everyone's like, 2020 is like, hold my beer and let me show up and just rock everything, you know? And there are, there are so many people who are waking up and I just keep thinking about how change and growth they're slow a lot of times and they don't, don't really see it and you don't feel it. It's like with little kids, you know, like you don't realize how fast they grow until all of a sudden their clothes just are, their pants are real short. And you're like, when did that happen? Or like their shoes don't fit. And you're like, when did that happen? When did you get huge in like two seconds? Um, But it's just like that little stuff that has been happening. And it's, I mean, obviously all of it is because people have, have taken risks and have had those scary conversations and have started using their minds again. And Mm. we're, we're breaking away from technology as a numbing agent and moving into technology as a way to really reach and communicate with each other because we have to now, you know, like it's, it's, it's made people appreciate technology. And I think in a way that we didn't, when you could just go hang out at a bar and dick around on your phone. And you know, like once the bars are open again, there's not oh. be nearly as many people who sit at the bar and dick around on their phone. They're going to be like, I'm so happy that I can sit here and have a conversation and look at your face. Like, right. yeah. like yeah. I just, oh. I'm so excited for change like that to happen yeah. on a mass scale. Like, and it's, it's, you know, the world is, is crazy. And every single day there are terrible, horrible things that are happening to many, many people. And, but I think all at the same time, there's all these little teeny changes, little things that are make the world a totally different place for a lot of people. I mean, even before the protest, like it's a new thing for like, you know, I love that Amy Cooper is now a verb 
somebody can Amy Cooper you. <laughs> I heard that on the show the other day. I was like, oh, that's great. But it's a new thing for a white lady calling the cops on a black guy and she loses her job. That's new. That's yes. new. Yes. And, you know, like just the Supreme Court overturned the title today uh, and says that, you know, the, the amendment in general, that the law was passed to protect people who have different sexual identities and, and different sexual preference. Yeah. And that right. even in this insane, shitty administration that has stacked the courts, that even now that there's a decision on something like that, that's six to three. And hey, like, I didn't know about that. Today, yeah. that happened today. Today, yeah. they decided yeah. on that. So (laughs) things are happening and they always, they always say like, you know, listen to the poets, listen to the artists and to the art and the beat on the street Mm -hmm. and tell what's happening. It's the pulse. It's artists are the pulse of the world or something like that. I don't know what the phrase is, but yeah, I mean, anyone, again, if that, you're sharing part of yourself. You're a reflection of the world of what's going on. Mm-hmm. So that's why creatives are very important. You know, that's why they're necessary. I love this conversation. <laughs> um, so at the end of all of my podcasts, I've been here, my journal crickling over here. So at the end of all the podcasts, I ask all of the guests the same five questions. So oh, okay. get. Uh, different perspectives on these same five questions. Um, so these are the five questions that I ask everyone. The first one is, tell me about an experience that shaped who you are today. Mm. Like any one moment where you're like, oh, after that one moment, this was all different. Are you thinking or are you going? I'm thinking. Are you going? Oh, Okay. An experience that helped shape me who I am today. That's interesting. Mm. You know, I would say, for me, I would say when I was 18, I had a conversation with my mom. And I remember telling her, like, you know, what my plans were for myself. I still lived at home with her. I lived at home for a long time with my mom, actually. <clears throat> Till I was 26, I stayed at Till he was married. Yeah, yeah. So I've only had two roommates. Well, one roommate, her. And then my sister was just a sibling in the same house. But, <laughs> but when I was 18, I told her that I wanted to go and travel and be an, an artist. Like I wanted to, particularly I was thinking music at the time, but I wanted to be an artist. I declared myself to be an artist then. And, you know, in the protective parents way, you know, she kind of smashed that to the ground, you know, like in, in, in big shards of glass, like, no, you're going to college and this is what you're going to do. You're going to get a job, blah, 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 blah. And I followed that recipe to the T and it did not bring me joy, you know? So the person that I am right now is now I will not compromise of who I declare myself to be ever, you know? So I would probably say that's it. For me. No, no. For me, I had, I don't know. 
I mean, I've done, I've made a lot of U-turns and I've adapted a lot and I've been very flexible in my thinking and um, recognizing and understanding who I am. Um, I think the one thing that I can attribute that to, honestly, is a part-time job that I had over the summer that I absolutely love because I was working with the Board of Education as a temp and I was able to hop from job to job. And I love seeing, you know, new offices or meeting new people or being around different kids. And my job was always changing. Either I was a clerk typist with speech pathology or I was a clerk typist for the principal. So I think that kind of built up my, um, I don't know, just my ability to adapt and be flexible. And I think that contributed a lot to who I am. Um, but in terms of my artistic and creative being, I don't know, because it's very, I'm still on the cusp of recognizing that I don't have to live up to what my um, parents and ancestors have always done in terms of going to school, get a job, retire and have this happy life mm-hmm. um, on the pension. So I'm still on the cusp of changing from that mindset to the mindset of you can build and create and have your own and literally manifest what you want your life to be. That's awesome. Okay. Number two, when you feel defeated or overcome, what do you tell yourselves to keep going? (laughs) I'll go first. I have two things, actually. I have learned to cuss myself out. I have learned to sit in front of the mirror and literally yell at myself and call myself names when I feel defeated or overwhelmed or challenged or act like I can't do something. Or even when I get scared, I I literally, I started sharing that with him. I literally just had to sit in front of a mirror and just have this serious talk with myself to recognize who and what I am. But the second thing that I do is I I kind of have a mantra that that states you are exactly where you are supposed to be. So whatever you're going through is not long-term. It may be for a reason or a lesson or to teach you something, but it's ultimately for your greatest good. So you are exactly where you are supposed to be and you're on the path you're, you know, you're supposed to be on. Sometimes it's hard to sit with that, but you're where you're supposed to be. Saying she she's she shares those words with me, you know, in times of defeat or whatever. For me, though, along with that, I've just started subscribing to there are no mistakes. I just kind of subscribe to that. Like I don't, I make a decision or make a choice or whatever. I don't look at it as a mistake. It's just that it just is, and you know, try to. Just try to not let it linger, just kind of move, go through it. And what's helped me with that as well is my art. Like I just, I throw off, you know, caution to the wind, as they say, when I do my art and when I'm done and it's dry, that's it. You know, (laughs) the decision is made, it is finished, it's done, move forward. So what, you got too many fingers on that piece. Oh, well, (laughs) that's where I am with it. Ah, I love that. It's going to make this other question really kind of funny. Okay, number three. Tell me about a way you overcame a failure or a mistake and what you learned from that. Unsubscribe from mistakes. Yeah. Unsubscribe from mistakes. 
And, and again, that letting go, I mean, worry is 95% of you saying, Oh, did I really mean to say that? Was that the right thing to say? Oh, did they, how did they feel that I say that? But you know what? Let it go. You said what you said. You did what you did. Keep going. Next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Number four, what one trait or habit is most responsible for keeping you on track? Mm. 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 Habit for <laughs> keeping me on track. Most responsible for keeping me on track. I'm interested in hearing his response. Habit. I have a habit of being, being that I'm a tourist. Most people would describe it as being stubborn. <laughs> I don't call it stubborn. I call it being determined. So I would say that is my attribute in the sense of me being just determined to just continue going, continue trying, even when I'm frightened as heck. Sometimes, you know, I just, just be determined, be determined to succeed, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I am a trained project manager and a lot of my corporate year, uh, corporate years, life chapters were about project management and working through it. So I'm very task and detail oriented. So that is, that's it. Give me so a task. I'm a task plan and it's like, let's follow this plan. <laughs> that's yeah. why I work so well. It's great. Where am I? So, who are my people? What's my money? What's my budget? Let's go. <laughs> what's your sign what's your sign i'm a cancerian that is so funny because i'm a taurus and my husband's a cancer wow wow now that's interesting that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> being like the stubborn taurus i i like to say that you know it's like it's it's kind of anti-american for a woman to be very confident right you know it's like it's it's not a, a trait that is common and I, common. I like to I like to change it around to be like I'm not conceited I'm convinced yeah. that's that's my my tourist heart is coming out like and nobody's gonna change my mind on how awesome I am like yeah. that's, that's number one you know as far as like going back to what you're talking about being selfish you know is is important sometimes that like something I learned from my dad. I mean, he took the being selfish kind of too far occasionally and like always put himself ahead of others, which is the best game. Um, but he also like knew what he wanted to do with his life and wasn't letting Mm. anything get in that way. And he has done amazing things that have changed the world with his life already. And I, you know, it's, it's hard not to, see the value in that too. And it's kind of like, you know, when you're on the airplane, they're like, put on your own mask before you help others. And it's, it's like that as far as like, you know, fulfilling your dreams in some way, because yeah. if you don't, you're not taking care of your own soul in, in ways that it needs. And I think that's Absolutely. important. Okay. Uh, number five, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? And what advice would you give to other people? Mm-hmm. Several pieces. Yeah. Several pieces. I would, I I would, I'll say Hmm. this, this two, I'll just, I'll just pick out two, particularly for me. So my mom always tells me like, even now in my age now, she's just like, she always kind of reminds me, she says, shoulders back, chin up, 
go after it. Like, so I always have to remind myself of that, you know, despite whatever it is, I have to, even if I don't feel strong at that moment, just the motions of putting your shoulders back and your chin up gives you an, an attitude of at least standing firm enough, you know, to stand. And then my dad, um, he's also a visual artist and because as I mentioned, a jeweler, um, who's made a lifetime being pretty much obscure as being, he's, his life is obscure in the sense of people knowing him, not knowing him, but he is world renowned in his craft. So it's, it's interesting, but when it comes to money, like money, we need, obviously we need money and uh, resources in order to make things happen. But he boils it all down to just saying, Idris, just create the beauty. That's it. You know, so I don't have the answer to everything else. Sometimes I don't know where the a check is coming from. I don't, I don't know where an opportunity is coming from. But the one thing that is in my control is to create the beauty. Mm-hmm. Make the time in the day, in the week, in the year, whatever, to just create the beauty. Mm-hmm. Oh, I yeah. love it. You need to make yeah. stickers that say that. <laughs> <laughs> On it. T-shirts that say that, people. Buy them. Okay. <laughs> Oh, for oh, um, I guess I have maybe two that I've gotten mainly from my mother. One is uh, plan your work and work your plan, and the other is a workman without good tools cannot do good work. And you know, we use that throughout our lives, but we're also you know teaching our kids that. Um, as far as what I think I would give someone else is to just be you. You know, just. Use your voice, trust your voice, but share your voice and, and simply be you because there's, there's no other like it. Yeah. Grant yourself permission. That's the key. Yeah. Part of the key. One of the keys. Yeah. Grant yourself permission to be you because no one else is going to give you the permission. You'll be waiting forever. Right. So <laughs> unless you're lucky to have a partner that says, it's okay to be yourself. Go ahead. But if no one gives you that, you got to give yourself permission. Yeah, you do. Oh, I love that. Y'all are awesome. <laughs> I think Thank you need to talk. Who are you? You definitely need to have your own your own talk show. I don't know. <laughs> that would be <laughs> so great for the whole world. You know, where it's just like one of you is talking to people, and the other one's making art in the background. Like it just <laughs> great. So much creativity and so much love. I just thank you. What else is there? <laughs> you know, yeah. like what else is there? Just keep showing up, man. Create keep showing up. Just keep and being you. That's it. Oh. Thank you, Jen. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. So last thing, um, if you want to tell everybody where they can find you guys. Okay. Um, eat off art three words, E-A-T-O-F-F-A-R-T dot com. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, website. And our handles on Instagram are at Idris, E-D-R-E-Y-S, uh, at by Alexa Joan, J-O-A-N, and at Eat Off Art on Instagram. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. But I do have to say, our youngest, you know, he started a YouTube channel. So follow him, Made by Mac, M-E-K. So he has YouTube yeah, made by Mac underscore on Instagram, made by Mac on YouTube. 
and he does customize sneakers. So I have to share that because he is part of Eat Off Art. And, and the oldest one, we're working on it. <laughs> it's just, it's so amazing. So all the links will be in the show notes. And thank you both so much for giving me your afternoon today and for you. sharing your, and sharing your love. Glad, you asked. glad you. you asked us. Glad we said yes. Me too. Oh, thank you. I love you guys. <laughs> love you too. Thank you so much. Have a lovely day. <laughs> all right. Peace. A single interaction has the power to change your life forever. This is a place for the stories of those moments. Stories of pursuing dreams, overcoming tragedy and failure, of coming back to life after so much of what feels like dying, of continuing on with only a vision as a map. This is the place where those moments live on. Come sit by the fire, look up at the stars, and be forever changed too. you for being with us on the reach the stars podcast our theme music is generously provided by byrocratic you can find him on bandcamp.com thank you to all of our current patrons guests and everyone else who helps make this dream a reality we are so proud to be building this amazing community with all of you if you love this podcast please consider sharing with a friend leaving a review on itunes and becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash reach the stars don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the videos of these conversations. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, do something cool and tell us about it.